the, uh, the gospel reading, you know, a portion of the gospel reading for Ash Wednesday, every year is Matthew 6. And, and Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who think that they will be heard for their long prayers. Uh, not only that, but, but I also think in Romans 8, where, where Paul writes about how the Holy Spirit knows what you need and intercedes for you. And Jesus intercedes for you too, even when you don't know what to pray for. He's praying for you, according to those words of Paul. Um, and, and notice also, you, you express this uh, very quite clearly, it's based on you, depending on you, you know, to say these prayers. You know, it, it almost, and, and this is what's very concerning uh, among all these other things too, is it almost sounds like that mantra, you know, from like Buddhism, transcendental meditation, um, you know, whatever. You know, or you say things, you know, or um, we were talking about this the other night, uh, the, the, the little book, and I think it's by Wilkerson, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might be wrong on the author, but the, the title of the book years ago that was produced was Prayer of Jabez. Remember hearing about that? The Prayer of Jabez. The Prayer of Jabez. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from uh, one of the Chronicles, there was a, a man who, who prayed. And in this little booklet, the emphasis seems to be on praying this certain prayer, you know, consistently, regularly, continually, um, daily, repetitively. And on the basis of saying this prayer over and over and over again, God will indeed bless you. That's kind of the idea, you know, and then very, you know, somewhat similar akin to what you were talking about in expressing. And, and many don't see the inconsistency there. Okay, here's what God says. Um, and and I, I do want to say, too, that, that some of this might just simply be marketing. But it goes further than that. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's misleading. So you know, another another topic of conversation. We, we've had this before, but the the you know the the preachers that are out there, and I think Paula White, who was um, the former advisor for Trump, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think she kind of advocated this position too. Like, if you give so much money to her ministry, God is going to bless you. There are still those that are out there, and, and what's so saddening. And lamentable is, is people are just, you know, people still, and I don't want to say just gullible, but they are because they're looking for something. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for peace. They're looking for hope. The problem is they're looking in the wrong places. Um, and, you know, sometimes they do that because they simply deny the truth. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's what they're doing. Serves the natural man. Tell me what I got to do. You know, well, if you do this, you know, buy some indulgences or give some money to the poor. Yeah. You know, oh, okay, is that all I got to do? That's basically what they're looking for. Yeah, it was like the rich man that went to Jesus and said, what do I do? And he said, well, keep the man. Oh, I already do that, which was impossible for him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just kept saying, so he gave him something that was on the road. He said, I already do that. So he said, well, so he gave him something he couldn't do. Right. He was to sell everything uh, he had. Everything, everything yeah. he already do that. Already In other words, that. that was his idol. He was yeah. challenging him on the first commandment. Yeah. So and then that's when uh, Jesus said, yeah. "It's harder, which really is harder for 
Because his, his wealth was his God. He was trying to get there on his own power. Right. And, and sadly, um, you know, mention was made of this uh, the other day too, with reference to that passage. What, what, what's uh, really um, revealing is that, especially in the Middle Ages, you had people who read passages, that kind of passage, you know, because there's multiple <coughs> accounts, um, you know, in the scriptures uh, and parallel passages in the Gospels with reference to that. So some um, to whom Jesus was not directly speaking thought that they were, that Jesus was directly speaking to them, that what they were supposed to do was sell all that they have, give to the poor, and follow him. You know, take up the, the mantle of poverty, for example. Um, you know, live on breadcrumbs. You know, deny oneself uh, in that capacity without recognizing the context in which Jesus was saying that. And also, and especially, um, you know, his Jesus is calling that man into question concerning his idolatry. He's calling his bluff. And also yeah. the guy says, what do I have to do? Right. Yeah. What he does, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of an oxymoron because he, he, he actually, you know, in one account he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, if you have to do anything to inherit, you're not inheriting. Right. right. Uh, because, you know, I mean, the scriptures do talk about inheriting eternal life, but it's always seen as a gift. You know, even, even, even we are grafted into the vine. Uh, we are, as it were, adopted. Um, but this is not, you know, I mean, if you think of, you know, adoption agencies today, and I, I know that's kind of a different discussion. It can lead uh, various rabbit holes, I think. Um, but, but the idea of adoption is that another, other than your true parents, become your parents. Uh, although I, I've, I've heard of, uh, you know, some cases where, you know, um, due to, odd circumstances some parents actually had to adopt their own children that's kind of a different thing but generally speaking um, you know you adopt one that's not your own child but you call them your child and that's exactly what God has done in Christ for us you know whereas we were um, and and yeah I mean there's there's room for discussion on this I, I think but you know um, many Christians and non-Christians will, will say things like well we're all the child of God or we're all the children of God and you know, I would I want to respond biblically or not. Um, we are created by God, yes, but simultaneously, uh, to be born, to be truly born of God, a child of God, in the way that kind of John writes about, Jesus writes about, or Jesus speaks about, and the like, is all about having faith, the changed heart, being born not of the flesh but of the Spirit. You know, as Jesus speaks of in John three. Um, so, uh, you know, th those are important considerations to make because, you know, the, the same thing when, when people say, um, maybe sometimes without even thinking about, well, he's a good person. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand about, you know, you know, if you said that about anyone, but, but we, you know, th there's, there's different kinds of good <coughs> used in that context. Right? So if we say, well, that one, that person's a good person, we don't necessarily mean that that person is a Christian. What we might mean is that he, he or she does good things that help people or that help others and so on and so forth. That does not make them good with a capital G before God. Only God is good. Yes. 
That's what Jesus told the, the rich man. Only right. God is good. Because he said, good teacher, what right. must I do? And Jesus, again, calls his bluff on that and says, why do you call me good? Yeah. Only God is good. He didn't deny being good, but he's challenging the man with regards to not yeah. only his own identity before God, but right. Jesus' identity. Because if Jesus is God, yeah. which he is, and he's but if he's God, this, this rich man should have listened to him and given up everything to follow him. Because Jesus did say, um, you know, uh, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me, and you will have treasures in heaven. Right? So, you know, here, you know, he calls Jesus good teacher, and he is God. But the man didn't believe that. Because if he did, then he would have done, he would have believed the words of Jesus. Uh, another comment? Or? Well, I was going to say, too, that I've said the phrase, call this bluff, because when people, you know, say, what must I do? In fact, that was the response to Peter's Pentecost sermon. The people were cut to the quick and said, what must we do? And, uh, and of course, Peter talks about pure grace. There's really nothing you can do. It's what God does for you. But, but I think when he challenges the rich man, he's saying, there's really two roads to heaven. One is through the grace of God and Jesus Christ. The other road is the law. But you've got to keep it perfectly all the time in every way, which we can't do. And that's what I think he's... Because that's what the man was basing his salvation on, his keeping the law. So Jesus ratchets it up, telling him, well, if you're going to save yourself, you got to keep it perfectly. And then, of course, we're not. But... I was going to mention on the concept of the Amen, two, two points if I might. It's interesting, at least on 202, the, um, what is it, Divine 3, that after we have heard the Trinitarian benediction from yeah. Numbers, we have a Trinitarian Amen. We say yeah. Amen, Amen, Amen. Of course, right. we chant it. But it's almost like we're saying Amen to each of those phrases that we talked about earlier. Yeah. We're affirming God the Father who blesses us and keeps us. We're affirming, you know, the second person of the Trinity who yeah. has shown us the face of God and His grace. And then we're affirming the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us true peace. But, but I have a technical question. Maybe, maybe you don't remember this, but I think a few people sitting here might, that when we had the old red hymnal, the old TLH, um, it it was trumped by no, no political comment. It was trumped by the blue hymnal, the Lutheran worship hymnal. Yeah. And I remember one of the biggest controversies when the blue hymnal came out was people looked at the hymns and right. said, "Why don't they end with Amen?" Because mm -hmm. if you look at the old red hymnal, and we've gotten quite a few years past that. But we were so used to the red hymnal, every hymn ended with Amen. Every hymn. Every. I mean, all 600 of them, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They all ended with Amen. They always had those last two notes with the Amen stuck on the end. And when the blue hymnal came out, and you know, I never got this at the seminary, but I guess at pastor's conferences, a lot of guys were saying, what do we tell our members? They're saying, like, you're messing with it. You took all the Amens out. So... We were told that when hymns were originally written, 
There was no amen. It was very rare that a hymn ended with the phrase amen. So right. in the original forms, there was no amen. But then the question is, then why did the Red Hymnal insert those amens after every hymn? Do you have anything on that? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I, I have a thought. And that would be that uh, most of the hymns uh, tend to be prayers. They're not just thoughts. They're not just just music. They are prayers. And at the end of a prayer, you say amen. So um, I think that, again, particularly uh, for the wordings of most of the hymns, when you get finished, you do want to say, yes, yes, it shall be so. There's nothing wrong with it, but I just, no. you know, it's, whether it's there or it's not, to me it's an opera. but why, I mean, it was so drastic in the Red Hymnal, all of the hymns, which, and not all of them were prayers, they were more... Uh, no, but it still was the same thing. Right, right. You're, you're I mean, I think you're correct, Sylvia, but, but why did they... Yeah, it's it was so abrupt. Because it was radical. <laughs> yeah. I think they made a lot of mistakes in that hymnal. And, and many people think that too, so... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I do remember, you know, but yeah. Because um, like the, the the congregations I grew up in, where my dad served, we used TLH from you know since I can remember. You know, so I'm I'm quite familiar, I think, with page five and fifteen. Um, but yeah, Amen. There there are a few hymns with Amen. Yeah, there are, but uh, but not very many. Or you're absolutely right. So, and I I don't know if there is any theological reason why it was left out. I would hope not. That, that was what I was told, but, is that these hymns, you know, yeah. originally didn't have it there. Right. So they just kind of went with the original right. kind of manuscript, so to speak. In the hymn. Yeah, and, and, but, but sometimes when, when you do that, um, when a church body or just by, you know, tradition, when you've done something a certain way for so long and then you remove it without explanation, at least it seems to me that could draw people the wrong way. Re-education, yeah. Uh, don't use that word. <laughs> but, but no, I, I, I know. I, I, that, that happens in the church, sadly enough. But you no re-education. Yeah, I mean, today. Teach people why you're doing something, what the point is, and it's not yeah. going to be uh, yeah. a, a radical thing where it's this way and then it's that way. It has to be gradual where you get people accustomed to doing something and why you're doing it that right. way to get people to learn that there yeah. is something else that you can do. Well, and, and, and there, I, I, you know, I agree with you. There, there's, uh, there's much to say about, you know, teaching and, and helping people to understand why we do what we do. You know, um, why we believe what we believe. Because I, I know, um, with, with reference to confirmation uh, and, and catechesis, I know there's a, a growing concern. There has been for years, um, for years, literally, of, of those who have been confirmed that kind of drop out. You know, or you know, the claim that uh, you know that they go to high school or they go to college and then they become non-Christians. You know. Um, and, and some of that, you know, the claim is they don't know how to defend their faith. And I, I don't know, if, I mean, that, that might be part of it, 
But I, I think another aspect too is maybe they don't really understand or believe what they believe. And, and it's the world, the devil, and the basis, our flesh yeah. that has tempted them because it is so enticing with that freedom. Oh, yeah. Nobody has to. T nobody tells you what to do yeah. when you're in college. So right. boy, we can do all the things right. that we wanted to do, but our parents wouldn't let us do it. Mm -hmm. Just like everything else is. Once you go to church, you don't go to church for a month. It's easier to make that month after month after month. Right, and and, and the conscience can certainly become dulled over time, and and which is really, uh, which is why you know we stress the importance so much and the significance, and the necessity of being in the Word not only on Sunday morning but throughout the week. You know, devotion, prayer, etc., etc. Let me uh, conclude with these words. Um, Again, from uh, Luther's large catechism, continuing in this uh, in this petition, as Saint James says, "But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord." So again, he's speaking of confidence, you know, faith, trust in the Lord's promise. Um, thus, when we come across words where Jesus says, for example. Uh, like like we heard uh, just uh, just this past Sunday, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. It's not he's not speaking about well, ask whatever you want, and you're sure to have it. But when he says whatever you ask the Father in my name, that's according to His will. You know, um, so so what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, for example, you know, is, is what God Himself promises to give. Uh, not according to what we want, but according to, to what he deems to give. Right? So uh, Luther continues, Behold, God attaches such importance to this fact, that is, of, of faith and trusting his word, that we can be sure we do not pray in vain, so that we do not despise our prayer in any way. You know, um, you know how many, like with reference to the divine service, um, you know, can say, do say, you know, I've worshipped my Lord today, I've heard his word, I believe that word, and God has blessed me. You know, something as simple as that. You know, uh, Luther uh, comments on the third uh, commandment um, about, you know, he talks about, you know, um, you know, hallowing God's name, um, keeping the Sabbath day holy. Um, what does that? Not we ourselves, but his word. In his word alone. You know, uh, that that's a far different, you know, referencing the fact that God has spoken God has done, God has forgiven, um, God is blessing and the like. Um, often I've heard, well, you know, um, oh, you know, that the question, um, you know, I want it to be practical or the statement, you know, where is the practicality, right? Have you heard that before? You know, the emphasis on the practical. Uh, but what can be more practical than having your sins forgiven before God? Um, I mean, there, there's nothing that's that's compared to that. And, and, and not only... Um, the blessings of the soul, but the blessings of the body our Lord freely bestows on us too, as He will and as He desires. So, 